Boom. Boom. Oh, but now you don't have the little, like, Felix's face in the corner when we start. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Um, welcome to Talking in the Chasm. Compassionate, controversial conversation <laughs> between best friends. Holy man. And an atheist. An atheist today. Not the atheist. I'm, and. I'm back to. Just and. Back to just one of the regiments. And I'm Matthew. I'm Felix. Today, we're going to get hate mail. Really? Oh, yeah. you think? I'm pretty sure. We didn't get abortion hate mail. Yeah. That, people were, most people were very good. The dude that was really angry, that was about, that was like on materialism or something, right? Was it really? It wasn't even on the so abortion like, video. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. So today, we're, what are we talking about? Today, we're going to talk about vaccines. Vaccines. All right. So uh, I Go with the controversial vaccinate thing. my children, and you do not have. Now there is a little caveat. Hannah started her vaccines. My oldest. Uh, so are you? Do you call yourself an anti-vaxer? Like these people? Oh, that's a really ugly word. I don't, and it has so many connotations. I would rather say that I. I have some feelings about vaccines. <laughs> I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I just don't vaccinate my it's children. Like, is that something? It's like, yeah. it's like called pro-choice people anti-life. Yeah, right. I'm anti-life. I got no problem with that. <laughs> um, okay. I think the position is a little more nuanced. We need to start with... Uh, I, the reasons I vaccinate my children are uh, because of scientific evidence and the fact that we've eradicated many diseases that mm-hmm. I don't want my children to get. Sure. Um, and also, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the, the um, herd immunity, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in. I believe in germ theory, and um, so that's that's my position. So, But why don't you tell me why you don't? L- well, let me tell you where I'm at. Okay. And then, uh, and then maybe if if we have time, I'll tell you how I got there. Where I'm at now. So my youngest is is almost one, and my oldest is nineteen. And um, over the years, we we haven't. I I've revisited the issue, probably in those twenty years, probably five or six times. I've taken another deep dive and said, "Hey, I don't want to be obstinate. I don't want to be. I don't want to be an idiot." I want to I want to make informed decisions. So let's take another look and see see where am I where am I subject to prejudice or bias or what's research doing or where are things at. And then you decided to keep being an idiot. And then I decided to keep being an idiot. <laughs> I but I'm at the place now where I've been I've been talking with my wife and and um Hannah and David are married now, so our first child's married, and they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do for their children. And right. I've I've had conversations with all my older children, especially, and said, "Hey, look, I made the best decision that I knew to make for you and your children. I this isn't one of those things that I have any expectations that you follow my lead on. You need to look into this. It's your children. It's 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 your family's health. You need to weigh the pros and cons and look at it for yourself." The way that we got there, though, we, I didn't. I certainly didn't start in that category. I was yeah. just when we had our first baby. I was like, go to the pediatrician, tell me what to do. I like sure, Erica yeah. was nineteen years old. I was twenty one. What do we know? There's doctors for this kind of stuff. I had all my vaccines as a kid, so it's not like I was from some conspiratorial community that right. was predisposed, like my poor children. But um, when Hannah had her second MMR vaccine. Hannah was a brilliant child. Um, like by, I can't remember all the milestones now, but she, I, I, I bought her her first Bible at two because she could, she knew her alphabet and could say all the sounds and was starting to put together words. She's a brilliant child. So when she had, we, we came home, she was, you know, fully ambulatory, speaking in full sentences, perfectly clear 
communicating child. I haven't bought my uh, my child their, their first Bible yet. Well, I'm, I'm and, and I'll, I'll all, buy you one. They're twenty. <laughs> I got I got a, I got extras on the shelf. Um, when we went to the pediatrician's office, we had a great pediatrician in in Oregon, and she gave her her shots, and and I think it was just her second course of MMR. And by the time we got home, she wouldn't wake up in her car seat. She started getting a rash on her face. Mm-hmm. And I brought her inside, and she started walking around like she was drunk. And I was like, babe, what is wrong with our child? Yeah. And so we called the pediatrician's office right away. We didn't even know this was possible. We didn't know what's going on. And the pediatrician said, it's probably a minor reaction to the vaccine. Just keep an eye on her, and if it doesn't revol- resolve itself within right. a couple hours, I don't remember exactly what she said, then go into the ER and have her checked out. Give her some Benadryl, see what happens. So we're like, oh, what in the world? What did, what did right. we do? And so we went into the ER and they treated us like teen mom because Eric is 19 and I'm 20. And they, they're like, we said, hey, we were in the pediatrician's office today. We just had a vaccine and she started acting crazy when we came home. He's like, that's impossible. <laughs> we're like, what do you mean it's impossible? Yeah. I was like, it's not impossible. It's exactly what happened. No, that this cannot be from the vaccine. I was like, dude, her pediatrician, call him. That's what she told us. And that's when I first was like, what's going on yeah, here? That's a bad doctor. That's it not, is a bad that's doctor. That's not a scientist. <laughs> so, so when that happened, I was like, why are they like this? Why is he trying to treat me like I'm an idiot and can't right. see up from down and, and trying to tell me something can't happen that does? So that's when I started looking at why is she having a reaction? What's going on? I will say this in regards to my own biases. I was much more conspiratorial as a young man than I am today. And so I was seeing a devil behind every bush. Not literally. I wasn't into spiritism right. that way. But but I certainly was no friend of the United States government or, or, or conventional medicine and pharma business and any of yeah. those things. So the, it, I was an easy sell. For the anti-vax propaganda. And there's a lot of anti-vax propaganda. Right, no, for sure. So when I... So I, I kind of bought that stuff hook, line, and sinker. But over the years, reassessed and said, mm, what's going on? What do I really think about this? And I'll tell you where I'm at now. Where I'm at now is that I have I have four main hesitations about about vaccines. And, and I'm really legitimately open. Um... I'm open to discovery. I'm open to right. reassessing still to this day. But my four my four reservations that haven't been answered thus far is one, um, the moral issues, which we can talk about at length. Uh, there, there are a host of vaccines that come from aborted fetal cell lines. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a moral objection to those. I don't care how well they work. I don't right. care if they are panacea for all known disease. I'm not going to use them because of a moral condition. Okay. Secondly, I I wonder about efficacy and the claims that are made around efficacy. Not that there aren't obviously polio's gone, but I wonder when we when you read articles about a measles outbreak at Disneyland or some college it's always blamed on the anti-vax community. And then when you get to the last paragraph, oh, everyone was vaccinated that broke out with the disease or 90% or whatever the case may be. So we hear these propaganda on the other side. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure about I, Like, I, I have not read an article that's like that that said, oh, there was a huge outbreak. I mean, I have read articles where they're like, wow, we had to close this school mm-hmm. because of the, and, and the article did say there were multiple anti-vaxxers and that that was it did, didn't end up with oh and by the way everybody uh the last one you know, just the, the one last one a couple of years ago in cape cod the yeah big i was thinking measles of like outbreak. that was a, last year in like west virginia or something i don't know what the west virginia yeah. one anyway. last one i read was cape cod and it was this whole pr it was this whole propaganda piece on anti-vaxxers but then when you get to the end the last page of the story it's it wasn't a case here in Cape Cod because right. all the call, all these high school students were actually vaccinated well what are you okay. making so, this yeah. a propaganda piece for then <laughs> So that's a common tactic, and it, it makes people not trust. And the fact For that sure. people who are vaccinated get these things, and the change in schedules, the change in needing for boosters, like 
many of the vaccines I got when I was a kid, they told us once and done. Now it turns out you need boosters. Well, who knows? Right. Like, so there's efficacy questions about what actually is, uh, how well do we know this? Why did we think 20 years ago, 30 years ago that once and done and now we need boosters? All those are open questions in my mind. So that's two, efficacy. Three is necessity. Um, I think there's legitimate questions to ask about why we're vaccinating for chickenpox, for instance. And I've looked at some of the numbers about shingles, about adverse reactions to Bercellus, however you pronounce that virus. But but all of us had chickenpox as kids and all of us were fine. And then lastly, how much pharma medicine conspiracy stuff is involved? How much of this is about money? How much of the pushing a vaccine is really public health and how much is is a multi-billion dollar industry? And those are questions that I still have left open. Okay. Can I sort of attack them one Please. by one? Sort of. So, um, what was the first one? More. So this is this is the, the good one. I mean, this is so. As I, when we spoke about this before, you had mentioned you know abortion is the you know fetal abortion abortive fetal tissue is the reason that we don't get certain types of uh-huh. vaccines. And you said that you understand that there's not abortive fetal tissue in them now. It's just that that's when they were used. Although there in the, probably is genetic material from right, those but not fetuses, from a direct but, fetus. Yeah. But, um, but it's not like they're injecting fetal cells. So, so that would, to me, that would be a moral problem that you mm-hmm. have. Like, I, I don't believe in abortion. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm not going to use the fruits of abortion mm-hmm. to help something else. And in thinking about this I, and researching, I, I read this sort of idea. Okay, let's say that... Um, Patient A needs a heart. Mm-hmm. Patient B dies and has a heart that's workable. Uh-huh. You can take the heart out of patient B, give it to patient A, and every and he's fine. Everything's good, right? However, let's say that a doctor murders patient B and takes his heart. Does he give it to patient A? Patient A still needs a heart and would live with that heart, mm-hmm. but there's a problem now because I don't believe in murder mm-hmm. and I don't want to, you know, further the idea that murder is okay, you know. Yeah. So do you throw the heart away and now two people are dead or do you use it? And that's that's maybe a tough one because the doctor killed the patient. Mm-hmm. But what about this? Let's say somebody's murdered, rushed mm-hmm. to the ER. Sure. And then their heart is okay and is used and can be used for patient A. I, I don't believe in murder. Yeah. But I'm not gonna not take a heart from a murder victim mm-hmm. because you know. So when I think of it in that way, abortions are not uh, administered to harvest fetal tissue. Mm-hmm. Abortions happen because of you know the reasons that we talked about, and then that tissue will be either thrown away or done to save lives I mean done to, 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 to do some good in the world so to me the moral objection it doesn't um, it, it doesn't seem valid only because it's not going to stop abortions abortion is a completely separate issue yeah. and whether or not you use vaccines made from tissue I mean the fact is that there's certain diseases that only happen in humans mm-hmm. and you know you can't say oh can i inject you with um polio yeah. and just yeah. you know, well, so we can do so they find you know abortive tissue is like well hey here's human tissue that's not that won't react to pain that nobody will you know so it makes sense to to use it because it's it's refuse basically at this point mm-hmm. whether or not you believe in abortion or not at that point it is refuse i mean it will it it is garbage it's not going to become a life mm-hmm. right so so, um, you know, even if it's gathered unethically, me personally, I'm going to save the patient. I'm going to use that heart, even if I don't believe in murder, because, you know, it's there. So while I have no problem with abortion, I would certainly not have a problem with using um, a medicine that was derived from the side, you know, from the refuse of an abortion procedure, yeah. right? And with that line of thinking, you know, would you then, you know, look at the the Bayer aspirin and look up every single ingredient and find out all along the way whether it was, you know, whether they experimented on monkeys or whether, you know, you know, it's like so much medicine is, is, is from years and years of study and research with so many things. And I'm sure that there's lots of, I mean, I don't want to torture monkeys, you know, but 
I benefit greatly from the fact that people did. Mm-hmm. And while I don't, I don't endorse animal cruelty, I also, um, in the case of Sarah's father, he had a heart attack and was uh, um, given heart surgery and lived another 40 years. And that surgery was as a result of directly made doing the surgery on, on monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, yes, I'm very glad that Sarah's father got to live another 40 years um, even though I don't want to hurt monkeys, I think that the 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 problem with that line of reasoning is that so if we were, I was thinking about this today too, and I was thinking about us getting together and talking, and there are other s- systems of oppression that I passively engage in. Um, I mean, America is one. Right. Uh, our our petrodollars. Yeah, and we talked are about another. buying a shirt and a sweater, yeah. and that's going to be. Slavery. So there are. I I understand. I'm not trying to be a monastic recluse and and keep myself completely like in a vacuum, like a moral bubble boy. I I do recognize that there are systems of oppression in the past that I interact with, and even some in the present. I think that where I would draw my lines around ethics and morality is in when there's an ongoing ethical travesty, when there's a moral evil happening and it's it's currently happening and perpetuating and profiting. You know, the recent Daladin exposés on Planned Parenthood and the purchasing of fetal parts for medical research and other things. Um, have made it clear that there is a lot of profit to be made through fetal tissues. Well, yes. What I would say, if I were you, I mean, if there were a Planned Parenthood place that was talking people into abortions in order to sell, I mean, then that's evil in the extreme that is awful that okay i totally get it well i don't know that they're not but well i don't think that's what's happening and i certainly wouldn't assume that that's what's happening and not vaccinate my children because of that but but let's let's draw what i think would be a closer analogy when if you could if you could if you needed a heart and you could buy one on the black market like that let's say there's a Chinese body harvesting farm where they're going around picking up homeless people and drug addicts and right. putting them in buckets of ice and taking their organs out and selling them on the black market. Well, they're going to kill those people whether you buy it or not. Do you engage in that right. moral evil well, see, because the, they're dead already? I think that's the difference between the doctor killing patient A or the doctor or patient A being murdered by somebody else. Well, if, I mean, yeah, you know, you could say in the same way that like, why not buy a fur coat? The animal's already dead. Well, you're creating a space in the market for another fur coat. Well, I think you know? abortion's doing that too with 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 fetal tissue for research and medicine. I just, I just don't. I, I just feel like. If, I mean, if this I feel like was twenty three hundred and twenty, and nobody done an abortion for three hundred years, and we had vaccines from what happened in the sixties, I'd be like, eh, come on, you're being a little, yeah, whatever. It's it's long gone. I mean, if, but it's not. It's happening all over the country today. If you could, sh- like, you can show me a direct link between somebody murdering somebody in Asia for a heart to sell it on the black market that that because that happens so that's a you know that's a direct I buy this heart but I, it's blood money I mean that this is somebody died for this so, so that this person could profit that's just horrible I don't see abortion in that same way you can dislike the fact that people are getting you know the people are having abortions but they're having abortions and not because of medical research they're having abortions because of their reasons that they want to have abortions now but there's, how much there's is that money revol- those millions of dollars funding the clinics to, to make that available you you mean science drug companies are funding the abortion clinics well they're so buying they can, these fetal materials to the tune of millions of dollars i, I don't know that yeah i don't know that that it's a for sale thing yeah because I mean, it's it's garbage, you know. As far as I'm concerned, you know, as far as I yeah, know, it's bio waste. But yeah. they're they're selling it to all kinds of medical research it? facilities. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I would say that's a moral problem. I, I wouldn't sell it. But but, but in that, any case, but that's not that doesn't actually have any direct correlation to the vaccines from fetal lines from the '60s. I mean, it, it, it has something to do with now, and it has something to do with the future. Right. But what my point in that is that 
there's still a system that I believe is oppressive and violent that's right. that's ongoing. I just don't that's think that's connected it, to how these vaccines were. I just developed. don't think that, that that there's a direct connection. I don't. Well, think I, it's, I, I don't. I don't. It's not a train car pulling it. it, it there is a connection in that it is abortive tissue. Uh-huh. But if you were to 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 somehow show me that people were being talked into or given abortions against their will or something so that they could have that fetal material harvested, yeah. then I would say that's absolutely evil. I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I don't know if it right. is, but I don't have any reason to believe that's the case. And, and, and there, are many, there are many people who are conscientious Christians who would make that, the claim that you're making, that we don't have to feel moral responsibility. I do. I do because I think it's such a travesty that's happening. Well, and... And when you read the case studies, like you can look up those cell lines and the, the original clinical reports on the doctors who harvested that fetal t- tissue. And, and they specifically chose these abortions because they were perfectly healthy elective abortions. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit critical. I'm gonna step way out of my area of expertise. I think that the reason that they continue to use these cell lines is because it's a cost-benefit thing. It's just a little more expensive to use older tissue instead of fetal tissue. They can, they can use all kinds of human tissue for this. They're using fetal tissue because you have that, what's that limit, the HALIC limit, where a cell can reproduce 50 times before the cell line dies. And that's been done way fewer times when you start with a fetus than if you work with an adult. The cells have more longevity, so you can get a longer run out of a cell line if you start with a, f- a fetal tissue. Well, I just feel like your energy would be better spent in um, in protesting abortion rather than, you know... To, well, that's to, a part of my protest, yeah, abortion. Yeah, well... Yeah, to me it's just not. It's just too too. I, well, to me the risk that that you put the rest of society in is greater than the good that would come from that. Especially when you consider that it, it's not really a connected. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, of course it's connected because it's abortive tissue, and abortive tissue comes from abortions. But it's not directly connected. And uh, you know, we've, I've said it. So yeah. that, that's 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 what I. That's my sort of thing about morality. Um, and let me just say too that um, th- this is an issue that I feel strongly about, um, only because um, I I live my life such that you know you can do whatever you want as long mm-hmm. as it doesn't hurt me, and I'm going to do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt you. That's how I feel as long as you're not infringing upon the rights of others. And if you have a child that has a compromised immune system, which you I do, do. Yeah. Um, then my vaccinating my own children protects your child. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if I have a child with a compromised immune system and you do not vaccinate your children, you are putting my child in danger. You know, you could very well, you know, my child could die because mm-hmm. it could get a disease carried by one of your children that they're not even sick mm-hmm. and because I have a compromise. So the herd immunity idea is that if if we vaccinate as many people as we possibly can, then those who are the most at risk will not be exposed to the disease because they will be surrounded by people who are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, you know, if I don't want to wear my seatbelt, that's on me. But if I reach over and take off your seatbelt, that's not okay. Yeah. And when your decisions affect my children, that's where there's, you know, that's where I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, and we won't even talk about the people saying it causes autism and this ridiculousness, but um, simply because there's absolutely not a single shred of scientific evidence in any way that supports that. But the herd immunity thing, I just wonder like how you... How I process that. Well, I think that's one of the things over the last few years that I've given the most consideration to because my, my kind of premises around vaccines hasn't changed much. Um, I'm, I'm, so a lot softer than I used to be, but the basic premise has been the same since I was young. But the thing that I have considered extensively is is this question of what is my obligation? Because I care very much about my fellow man. I care very much yeah. about my neighbor. 
and what is my obligation to my neighbor? And I think that here you have it's 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 a more complex analysis than this because there's a, there's other factors aside from the herd immunity issue that are at play. Like one one issue that pertains, I think, to bioethics is informed consent. Like, and here's where where it always gets down to when I have a very pushy, aggressive doctor. Right. I always come down to the place I say, are you telling me you're 100% going to guarantee and you'll put your name and your money and your reputation on the line that my child will not have an adverse reaction? And he'll say, no, I can't right. do that. So it's this has to be something that people have to weigh for themselves. I have to weigh the good of my child versus the good of the community. Right. And that I understand the probabilities around that. That they're well, very high. I mean, you could very well say, uh, was it Hannah? That mm-hmm. You could say, well, my child Hannah had a very serious reaction that scared the hell out of us. And for that reason, we've decided not to vaccinate our other children. I mean, we, I don't want to see that happen. I mean, my, you know, mm-hmm. that's perfectly legitimate. Then you would say your child is in that group of, of, very, of, 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 of people that need to be protected I, by I, everybody yeah. else. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, that's not my claim. My claim is that... But it could be your fear. Sure. I mean, I'm just saying that sure. that would be a completely yeah. reasonable w- reason for not vaccinating. It's certainly how I started on this path. So it's, it's, it's the beginning chain to where I'm at. But I think even if that wasn't the case, I think that uh, I value autonomy and informed consent higher than, than corporate good. I don't mean corporate good. I mean the potential to damage herd immunity is a lower priority in my schema than the government or the community being able to force medical decisions on people. If people can't sit down with their own health and say, I'm going to weigh my own risks before I consider everyone else, I think that's a valid premise. You have to be able to say, I'm going to consider what I think is best for me and my children and then look at the rest of the community around me and weigh those two things and discern which one I think is more important in this risk scenario. So like, here's the thing, here's another thing I always come back to is like, there are children that can't eat peanuts. Like, we don't know all these, like autoimmune diseases, everything that's getting triggered in people, we don't know where this stuff is coming from. And that, when I was coming back around, you know, I wasn't involved in the medical community much for most of my middle children's lives because we just didn't, we didn't go to doctors, we didn't have health problems. But with Cephas, I've spent, you know, Erica had 300 appointments the first year. And, And it's not like we're among slouch doctors. These are all Harvard people and, yeah, and, they don't take kindly to the idea that you don't vaccinate. So I've had real open conversations with pediatricians about Cephas's care. And I say, okay, let's do, because I don't know, none of us know what's wrong with him. How do we assess the risks? Let's do real comparisons. And they're surprisingly hard to find. That's one of the other things. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, Cephas has a disease that 50 people in the entire world have. Yeah. And if you have a fear, then that's, a, like I said, that is a completely legitimate, that makes perfect sense. I mean, to me, I feel like the risk that you are not vaccinating your children based on your your um, opposition to abortion, mm-hmm. to me, that's unreasonable. Just because because the, the connection isn't direct and because the potential harm could be life or death. I mean, it could be like a, you know, could be something serious. Um, but to say that, you know, my family, for all I know, my family are all um, hypersensitive to it is very reasonable because there is evidence that that is true. And certainly Cephas <clears throat> can't have a, uh, right? He's well, we don't know. Uh, we don't. We we know much more about where he's at now. But I I've, wouldn't risk it. I mean, did a doctor yeah. tell you go ahead and risk it? The, he put together. So here was here was the interesting analysis. Is he w- he said okay? Like when we had that conversation with Cephas's doctor, and I said, look, what are the chances that this child, n- not herd immunity, right, not yeah, society, yeah. this child is going to be exposed to polio? Zero. I mean, nil. He's not going to be exposed to polio. Okay, so that for him, now I understand why he's not exposed to polio because of the herd immunity. But for him, 
there's a zero risk of polio. So we don't right. we can take that off the list. So we did this process. Let's go through what and so when we when we did that process, I eliminated the ones that I had a moral compunction against and we eliminated the ones that were very low or negligible risks. There was a there was a few I think five or six vaccines that he still recommended. And I said, "Okay, now my theory is we don't know what's wrong with him and putting right. chemicals into him is is a is a crapshoot." And his theory was he's medically compromised, he needs to be protected from these more than other people. And I said, okay, well, I, I respect your opinion and counsel as a doctor, but this is a decision I have to make. Right, and what I would do in your shoes is I would not immunize him and I would immunize the rest of my kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, I, this isn't a debate about you know, somebody who has a compromised child. Sure. Of course, you know, that's what herd immunity is for. It's for Cephas yeah. and Hannah, you know? Um, and if you have even a suspicion that your other children would be harmed, I but mean, I don't not, have any... not, not the hysterical online, yeah. oh my God, we're going to yeah. get um, um, autism. That, you but know. I don't have any clue, and nobody does. Yeah. Nobody does until there's a reaction. And, and they're well, so that's rare. That's true and with so... everything you sure. ingest in your body. Every that's, food, everything. I mean, everything But that's that you why process. I think people have to, you have to leave this kind of decision in people's hands to make for themselves. I agree. Because you just don't know. I agree. And if my, my, my problem with anti-vaxxers is the decision isn't because I, I'm, a, I'm afraid for a very specific reason that my child will have a reaction mm -hmm. that will be traumatic or deadly it's because i heard that the president trump said that the person didn't have autism and then they got immunized mm -hmm. and now they're autistic i mean he said that to the country to the world and so people go oh well you know what i i mean i just won't give them the shot they don't like shots anyway i won't give yeah. it to them and then they definitely won't be autistic and it's it's thinking like that that hurts the the society. Yeah. Because when we do all stop taking polio, then it comes back. Yeah. And um, you know, the, I saw the the last man in an iron long uh -huh. on YouTube. Do you, yeah. you know this? It, yeah. it was like made in the fifties, and uh -huh. he has these people that make it for him. And he's lying there, and somebody asked him about it. He's like, "Oh my gosh! I mean, <laughs> this is the worst. Uh -huh. It's the worst. Anything you can do." I mean, if it's a problem that's been solved, I can't believe people would allow this to this door to be cracked open again. So let me tell you an interesting conversation. I think it's another reason that there's here. Here's here's my advice to the medical community: if you want to win people that are against vaccines, first of all, take our take our honest questions honestly. Like when you get somebody like me that shows up in a doctor's office where he says, there's no adverse reactions, you're a tinfoil hat wearing kook, it's wrong of you to even think about these questions with your children. Just really quickly, I, that's a problem with the medical community in general. This sort yeah. of superior attitude yeah. is, is outrageous. And I mean, then you have the wrong doctor. I mean, yeah. to me... But uh, there's a lot of them. Right. To me, it, honestly, it's 50% medical knowledge and 50% bedside manner. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to talk to people, you have no business being a doctor. Yeah. And if you make people feel insecure yeah. about what you intend to do or, or recommend. People like me will hide. We'll hide. We'll hide with our children. And we'll stay should. out of doctor's of offices. Course. And if we feel, com if you take people that have the kind of overactive concern that that, that right. anti-vax community has and you make them feel threatened, they will hide in holes. And that is a separate issue that I absolutely agree with. This bedside banner thing needs to be... Uh, addressed and taught better in medical school. So let me let me talk to you about a, 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 an experience I had. So when we were planning, we were planning at one point to move to Uganda for a few years to do our refugee work with the South Sudanese. And so one of the entry requirements to get into Uganda is a yellow fever vaccine. Now this is a funny thing. Um, there's some suspicion that part of the reason that the yellow fever vaccine is required to enter Uganda is mostly to mess with Kenyans to keep it's an immigration issue more than a, as much as a public health issue because people can't afford to get the vaccine they won't come into the country yellow fever isn't communicable between people it's only mosquito bloodborne transmission and so if you get yellow fever in Uganda, you can't, it's not like you can create an outbreak. Mosquitoes can create an outbreak, people can't. 
And there's been like six cases in the country in the last 10 or 15 years. Right, but obviously if everyone was vaccinated, then it, would, it wouldn't happen because the mosquito would take the blood of a vaccinated person and it wouldn't be contagious. I'm just saying it's not for the people and it's not for the country. Okay. A person unvaccinated entering the country can't cause an outbreak. Oh, yeah. Right. I understand. So, so, so all that's kind of the background. And the yellow fever vaccine is one of the few live virus vaccines still. And the last death uh, from, from yellow fever of an American was, was from the vaccine. vaccine. Uh, it causes uh, encephalitis. encephalitis. So, so anyhow, we were, we were all planning to move to Uganda. I had been several times and I just kind of, I didn't get the vaccine and I just kind of bluffed my way through the border. I just said, no. They, they actually won't let you into the country? If you're not yeah, they're not supposed to. I, I got through several times. I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need it. I'm coming from America. I, I yeah. don't have yellow fever. <laughs> I'm not going to get it. Right. And I just walked by and acted like a dumb American, and I got my paper stamped. So I did that a few times, but I knew I couldn't. I, I mean, I can do that. I, I yeah, can take the you're risk. You're a big, intimidating guy. They're not going to kind of bluff my way through, but I can't do that with children and, right. and my wife and everything. So we got to buckle down. And we got to get this vaccine. So we go in. They closed the whole travel clinic because this is a this is the health system that knows us. They know we don't vaccinate, and they know there's 12 of us coming. And so they literally shut down the travel clinic for the morning. It was just us in the clinic. Wow. And the top... The Does top, that make you feel special or evil? Well, I didn't know how to take it. I wasn't sure. Like, what I, who's the, protecting you yeah. here? It turned out the guy was super cool. He was a really nice guy. I very much appreciate him. And there was a young... Uh, very tall Indian guy from Oxford. And he was like a world expert on uh, typhoid. And he was, he was working with this virologist at, at, at the hospital. And so we had this long conversation. I had this whole discussion, top virologist at BCH. And I, told, I shared with him my concerns, and he, was, he did everything right. He's like, yeah. you're not crazy. I'm not assuming you're a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist. These right. are valid questions, and there's valid answers to them. Let me help you work through it. So we have this whole conversation, and I say, okay, I appreciate that. I really I want to think about that, all this stuff. I said, okay, now let's talk about this specific case. Now, I'm taking my family to Uganda, where there's been six cases of yellow fever in the last 10 years. And there's been one death from the yellow fever vaccine in the U.S., which that's a small percentage of Americans that get this vaccine, uh, in the last three years. I think it was 2015 when that person died. I said, if you were to weigh, just shooting from the hip, my risk from the vaccine versus my risk from yellow fever, which is greater? He said, in this case, it's probably the vaccine. Yeah, especially for your family who's been proven to be uh, susceptible. So, so there's policies in place that are blanket public health policies, like this case in Uganda, that don't allow people to be individual and make right. individual decisions. And it, I, I feel like here's what the public health debate is about. I feel like, and the reason I'm so hesitant to trust the public health decisions is that they're telling us what they think we should hear so that we'll get vaccinated, not here's, let's put all of our cards on the table. Right. We'll tell you exactly how many adverse reactions there were from the mm -hmm. vaccine. We'll tell you exactly how many adverse reactions there was from the virus. And you can compare apples to apples in your demographic and make a real informed decision. And that would go course, light years. Of course. And I don't understand I mean, yeah. why it's not there. And it only creates distrust in me that it's not. Well, it's because people don't know how to communicate. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. And maybe um, it's there. Maybe I just haven't found it, but I've been well, looking for years. Well, I mean, it is there because uh, it is there because you had a fantastic guy in Uganda. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so, uh, you know, but yeah, it's there. It's yeah. just maybe it's rare unfortunately but but um what needs to happen is some top vaccine immunologist needs to collaborate with me to write literature for anti-vax community yeah well yeah I okay mean, so the, this the, typhoid the, kid the, the, let me let me finish telling you because this is the rest of the story this indian guy the typhoid expert 
he says it's I'm so fat like we were like a museum curiosity yeah, 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 yeah. he's like in my country, people travel across rivers and jungles to get vaccines, and I come to America, and people are like, "I don't want it." And he said, "It just blows my mind." And and he and he told me he said the cultural differences are amazing too. He said if we give a child a vaccine in the U.S. and they get a red bump on their arm, the parents freak out, and they think somebody's dying or they're going to have autism or something. He said if I give somebody a vaccine in India and they don't cry and they don't feel like it hurts for a day, they think it didn't work, and they're mad, and they come back for another one. Yeah. He said it's just entirely different cultures. And he was telling me that somewhere where he was working in England, they actually have a clinic. They don't do, they don't do procedures. It's just a clinic for people to ask questions about vaccines. It's, there's a library of vaccine material and information. There's a doctor in a non-threatening environment where you can come and ask whatever questions. They don't treat you like an idiot. They don't treat you like a pariah. They just ask well, answer questions. Yeah. I mean, that's would solve many of the world's problems. I and mean, what we need is education and understanding, of course. Yeah. Um, so as usual, this just turned out to be very different because um, you're, you know, you, you have an out outrageous view that seems incredible. And then upon talking to you, it always, I realize, oh, okay, it's a reasoned, rational thing. We're not, his, the hysteria to not vaccinate children is not, the camp where you're coming from yeah and you have very specific experience in cases um so like i said it's, it's almost like talking to somebody who has a child who can't get an immunization for some reason i mean you wouldn't try to talk them into it if it's going to be life-threatening or or traumatic so that's that's you know a, a different thing i my my big problem is is with the the hysteria which is because people are not educated in this mm -hmm. way because they haven't had a nice doctor sit down and say here's you know you've got questions hit me you know i'm gonna answer them all for you people don't really understand how what germ theory is and how it how it even works so um I but but I, I had just actually one question okay, for you sure one final sort of thing we talked about um uh in the abortion thing i asked you if um if you would abort a baby to save a mother and I believe that the answer was was yes, and in, in situ certain situations, that's a choice they should make, yeah. But yes, I mean, you know, uh -huh. let's say she's unconscious and it's your wife. You know, that you know, I think what we came up with is that there are situations in which mm -hmm. an abortion is something that you would do because and it would be for the best, pregnancy right? There's no viability or whatever. Yeah. Um, did you hear about the crazy, crazy stuff happening? What was it, Georgia? Where they said uh, an ectopic pregnancy has to be reimplanted, has to be reimplanted, and and doctors are like that has never worked. <laughs> it is not there is not one case where that has ever worked. It does not work. Doesn't it's not happen. a science. It's not a thing. Anyway, off topic. But um, so if you would abort a baby to save the mother, why would you not use a vaccine derived from fetal tissues to save children's lives? Well, I mean, I think that would change the scope of this conversation, but that doesn't happen to be the case. What happens to be the case is that they were elective abortions and of healthy children. And I think that's why they don't harvest those fetal materials as readily for, for these kinds of projects is because there's some question about, about right. the health of the child. Yeah, and I think we covered it better before yeah. with the, uh, the thing. So, um, so I would consider your family to be sort of at risk. I, I, I don't know I don't know how much we qualify. I mean there have been minor reactions. There's not there's no qualify. It's it's you know, I saw my child have a very traumatic reaction. Uh, I don't want to see that again as much as I you know want to um, help the herd, mm -hmm. this is a situation where maybe we're the ones that need protecting. You know? And I yeah. you know, and maybe maybe that isn't the case. You know, maybe maybe um your other children are, you know, would be okay with it. I don't know, but to me, uh, that's the sort of thinking that you you have to do because you have Cephas who who really is vulnerable. Yeah. To you know, to more than he's got. God, he doesn't need more. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. I I I don't know. Um, what I try to play through my mind is, if that wasn't the case, where would I be? And and I think that a I mean, lot if of Hannah hadn't had a reaction. Yeah, I, I mean, if I if I happen across this another way, 
if I didn't have that reaction. Well, let's say Hannah did not have a reaction and you went to a doctor who said, you're not, you're not crazy. What's up? Tell me. Yeah. You know, then, here's, here's how it works. Mm -hmm. I mean, when my sister got sick, she had um, a seizure disorder and I went to the hospital you know, every day. I was there all the time. And one of the doctors pulled me into a side room and pulled out a chalkboard and like show me her graph and pulled it out and said, this is what this means. This is what uh, this means. And it was just so... It just made me feel so good, yeah. not, not only to know that, that she was in good hands, but that they care about how I feel about it, yeah. you know, and that they, that they showed me everything about how it works. I mean, a doctor should sit down with an anti, if you were afraid of vaccines for, for any reason, they yeah. should sit down and say, let me quell your fears. Yeah. Or you tell me the, what the fears, and I'll tell you whether they're justified or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there are justifiable reasons to not vaccinate a yeah. child. Yeah. But autism is not one. Yeah. So. If you think that you are going to get your child will get autism because of a vaccination, then you need to be taught that that is not that you know you need to be shown the empirical evidence. You need mm -hmm. to be shown here's why that won't happen. And I think presenting that data in in uh, in a usable way, like really, like here's apples, here's yeah. how many, here's exactly how many people have an adverse reaction and to what varying degree. Right. In, with the chickenpox vaccine, and here's how many people have adverse reactions to chickenpox. Let's just look at them per capita. Sure. Out of a thousand, here's how many have this. Here's how many have that. That stuff would be huge. And it's like wherever that data is is hidden in research that's only accessible to to biophysicists. Right. I mean, I, I, I've this is related circuitously, but. Um, after 9-11, uh -huh. you know, the FBI and everyone went on TV and they're like, we're going to get this guy, we're going to go, and there's going to revenge, revenge, revenge. Yeah. What, and what I feel like they should have done is they should have spent all of their money, all of their efforts into television commercials that say, here's why people wear the hijab, mm -hmm. here's why people, here's what they believe, here's where, you know, here's the whole, the point of the religion, this is what, you know, this is what extremism looks like, this is the percentage of people that are extremists, this is the percentage of people in this religion that have hurt people, this is the percentage of people in this religion that have helped people. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I understood, I mean, people were, were beating up Sikhs mm -hmm. on the street yeah. because they had, their hair was Turbans, covered. They're, yeah. they're not Muslims, they're, yeah. it's totally, you know, so, it's just education. It's like, just just tell me what this is so that, I mean, we fear what is foreign to us. We fear what we don't understand, right? Mm -hmm. I don't understand the science of vaccines. I, have no, I don't even know what we're talking about, you know? Really, yeah. I yeah. don't. I, I trust my doctor and so I do it. Yeah. But I mean, I don't understand the science of it. And if you have a problem with it, t teach me the science of it, you know? I'll teach you the science. You know, this, this, this fear is just going to perpetuate until you you know we, we are not afraid of people once we have a friend who's a muslim you're like oh okay they're regular people i get it oh totally yeah and i understand oh and he explains why they mm -hmm. why the hair's covered i mean you know your family explained to me why you guys dress the way you do and now i understand yeah so now i don't have to wonder what's the what's up with that you know there's no fear i think you're exactly right that in in this issue and in a whole bunch of others but i know it's true in this one is that what it comes down to, because how many people have medical degrees in immunology? Like, none of us are experts on this. So millions and millions of people are making decisions about this kind of personal healthcare decisions, and none of us are qualified to make the decision. Mm -hmm. And what it comes down to is this, how we make sense of the world, this sense-making issue, and where we are willing to invest authority. Who am I going to listen to? And I think when people get on a certain track, there's just a there's a percentage of people that follow the the not beaten path. Like if what we're all doing is vaccinating, there's going to be a crowd of people that are like, I don't want to go that way. I don't trust those authorities. Right. I mean, and that's I, based on personality. It's based on bad experiences. It's based on antisocial tendencies. It's based on a whole bunch of things. It's part of the job. I mean, yeah. it's part of the job as a doctor is to say, I agree. I'm going to help you. And here's here's why you should trust me. Here's yeah. here's why. I mean, I was a professional photographer for 15 years. Uh -huh. And we would take, we, we did like a great boudoir. one. We did all these crazy, you know, we did things where, you know, where people had to feel very comfortable. And so mm -hmm. our first, the whole first part of the process was to put people at ease to make me to, to say mm -hmm. I'm a cool guy I, it's gonna be fun it's gonna you don't be have totally to be afraid you can trust me right and uh, 
my, a lot of people hate for having the picture taken, and yeah. a lot of it's because of the school photographer. It's like, okay, so I'm saying, okay, so smile, okay, here you go, next. You know, there, there's no connection. Um, so part of most people's job is, here's why you need to trust me. Yeah. Okay. And then you know, then you decide whether you do or not. And if a doctor has made you feel uh, unsafe or or that you don't understand something or threatened or or anything then that that that's a bad doctor yeah yeah it doesn't matter how good the medicine is he's a bad doctor if if you uh, don't understand what's going on well here's where it gets dicey it gets dicey when you're talking about children and it gets dicey when you're talking about community health like those two things complicate that that discussion in ways that cause everyone's emotions to I mean, I, I, I don't have as big a fear of authority as you do. I think you know, that's I true. I don't have that. Funny. Well, I don't have... Well, actually, I, I do have some pretty awful experiences with authority, now that I mention it, cops and stuff. We'll talk about that later. But I don't know. I, I just... I guess I, I... It's just my personality or my nature thing. I don't know. But The atheist so, uh, is less I, of a rebel I than the Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have a, a huge problem with authority, and and I I'm 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 quick to trust, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the bottom line is we, we do business with people that we like, you know. You gotta mm-hmm. like your doctor. You gotta like you know you gotta like your mechanic. You gotta like people that you do business with, and and so their job is to get them to like you. That's mm-hmm. the first part, and then the second part is the physical whatever the job is yeah. to me. So. I, I really, I want to spend this next year. The other thing I feel like, I, I feel less threatened. So here's, let me examine my own biases. I think that there's a real specific bias about the, the fear of causing something bad is worse than the fear of something bad happening that you didn't cause. And I think that's an integral part of how I've made decisions about my children I didn't consciously do that obviously right, but no, no. now that I'm older and can look back I think that's a part of what plays into this scenario is that if I make an active decision and there's a bad outcome then I feel responsible but if I if something passively like the world is the world and something bad happens then you don't feel responsible and I think that's built into right. some of this well I, I would say when I vaccinated my children my daughter faints every time she gets a shot i mean she is like terrified of the doctor she would bite and scratch and she turns into a gecko and sticks to the walls and everybody's trying to drag her down the hallway it's a it's an incredible ordeal but i I, she's still that way pretty much but what's weird is that she'll get pierced no problem like she's like oh i want a nose piercing no problem and then we go to get a flu shot and she's on the floor i'm like what what's hers anyway but as I, I'm giving this creature who's writhing around and screaming uh, immunization, I'm thinking I want what's best for her and I'm doing this for her. But there is a part of me that's thinking I'm doing this for everybody else mm-hmm. too. You know? Sure. I mean, I, I, I do believe in the hurt I'm immunity thing because I've seen it. I understand. I've seen graphs. I've seen mm-hmm. how it kind of works. And, uh, and there is a part of me that puts her through torture because... It's I know that everybody. even if she doesn't get sick, she's going to keep somebody who, you know, like Cephas from getting mm-hmm. sick. So, mm-hmm. anyway. That's good. Let's stop. Stop there, maybe? Yeah. All right. I love you. Love you, too.